Hi, you're listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, where we bring you the rich life histories of the incredible men and women enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame. Innovators, pioneers, entrepreneurs, geniuses. These are the individuals who not only shaped blues music, but paved the path for all forms of American music that followed. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is brought to you by the Blues Foundation. For more information about the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org. We continue the series with Bessie Smith, the Empress of the Blues. Bessie Smith wasn't born into royalty. No, she had to work her way up. But she had the talent and she most certainly had the determination to overcome her humble origins. At nine years of age, Bessie was orphaned and earning money for food by singing with her older brother on street corners in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He ran away to pursue a better life with the vaudeville troupe, but he eventually returned to get her when she was 18. Bessie auditioned to be a singer, but was assigned the role of a dancer because the troupe already had a star vocalist, blues legend Ma Rainey. But it worked out really well for Bessie. Ma liked her and helped Bessie get her act together. Soon Bessie embarked on her own and before long, Bessie Smith was the biggest star on the black theater circuit and one of the biggest stars in the world. Bessie has three songs in the Grammy Hall of Fame. Downhearted Blues is included in the Songs of the Century by the Recording Industry of America. And it was inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as one of the 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. Bessie Smith was inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame in 1980. Since then, she's been inducted into the Big Band Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and received a posthumous Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award, and was also inducted into the Jazz Hall of Fame. This is her story. Liquor from the stove make me sick. Bessie said. She tossed me $3. I knew where to go. Under the viaduct, a man sold half gallons. Bessie didn't get it by the glass. She didn't allow anybody in her company to drink anything but old moonshine. I had to run home with that jug. I told her, your whiskey burns my palate. We still had a couple of hours of daylight to kill before showtime. She said, let's have some fun. We went down Auburn Avenue. Bessie couldn't go a block without somebody recognizing her. Many a hand went out and she wouldn't let one leave empty. She carried a pocket full of dimes and sprinkled a few in every palm. We looked in all the windows at the hats and dresses. At the shoe store, we shrieked when we saw the patent leather high heel Mary Janes. I said, I'm in love. Bessie said, we have to have those. The salesman brought out our sizes. I thought Bessie gave all her money away in the street. I knew I couldn't afford no shoes. Bessie pulled up her dress and the clerk stepped back like he's scared. She had on a carpenter's smock under there and kept her dollars buttoned up in those pockets like a cash register. Bessie was cool about hiring black gals for the chorus line, and not just high yellow like every other show. But one black gal named Bootsy liked to worry me half to death. Bootsy stared daggers at me when me and Bessie waltzed in wearing our matching shoes. 
We got there just in time to slip out of our Mary Janes and for Bessie to take off her carpenter's mark and get on stage. After the show, I went back to the dressing room. My new Mary Janes were right where I left them, cut to pieces. I ran to Bessie's dressing room, too scared to speak. I dropped the shoes on her lap. Bessie just breathed for a few seconds and said, Let Bootsy think she got away with it. Come payday, she made Bootsy wait. Took care of everybody else right down to the prop boys. Called her in very last. It was just me, Bessie, and Bootsy. She counted Bootsy's bills out one by one. Then she snatched back the last 20. That's for Ruby's shoes, Bessie said. Bootsy squeezed the Coca-Cola bottle in her hand. She smashed Bessie upside the head and ran out the door. Bessie looked like she didn't feel a thing. Dove right down Auburn Avenue after Bootsy. Bootsy screamed, police! She opened her mouth a second time, and before anything could come out of it, Bessie's fist went in and broke out Bootsy's pearly front teeth. The cop grabbed Bessie's arm before she punched again. As the police were pushing her into the paddy wagon, she passed me her money. Bessie said, give this to Eggie to bail me out, just as the policeman slammed the back door. Eggie worked for Bessie. He was a dancer, one of the three sheiks. Bessie gave him the name Eggie for his shiny, bald head. Eggie played with Bessie, too. She loved a good risk as much as a good time. She carried on with Eggie on the road right under her husband Jack's nose. I understood her thinking. If Eggie could keep that secret, he wouldn't go back and tell Jack about Bessie being locked up. I knew where to find him. Bessie had a custom-made train car painted yellow. In green letters, it said Empress of the Blues. Everybody with the show slept on it. I found Eggie blacked out in one of the staterooms. Didn't know what it cost to bail somebody out, so I just gave it all to him. $1,400, Bessie's profits for the whole week. Was nothing left for me to do but rest. Where the hell is he? Bessie came roaring into my dreams. Where's he at? I woke up and she told me Eggie never came. I was afraid she whooped the police and escaped from jail. How'd you get out? I asked. Owner of the theater we played tonight, she said. We searched that train car high and low. Thing had a kitchen with hot and cold running water, flush toilets, seven staterooms, a bunkhouse down below, and a storage closet where we kept the drop curtains, costumes, and souvenirs. But no Eggie. Me and Bessie went back to the street. You got your pay? She asked and took it out of my hand. Bessie ran right for the cab stand outside the theater. She asked the cabbie there, Did you drive a clean-headed man? The cabbie's mouth stayed shut until Bessie flashed the cash. The man said, he went to the sissy ball at the top hat and tails. Bessie turned to me with one eyebrow raised. I will kick his ass until he hollers. Give me a pizza and a bottle of beer. Send me gay 
The fuck is flying, Bessie said as we went into the sissy ball. Never seen so many pretty gals in all my life. We got deep in the crowd. She walked up to a table of people we knew. She said, what y'all drinking? They had setups with ice cubes and chopped fruit, bottles of Johnny Walker, red and black. They said, have some pop, Bessie. You'll never get me sick. She opened her handbag and poured something out of it into a glass. We started looking around. All the wigs, makeup, and masks in that place. Bessie downed her drink, went onto the dance floor, and started pulling on hair. Perched up on those new high heels, she caught sight of a shiny, bald head exiting. All those sissies crowded on the dance floor, it was like walking through a maze to get out of there. By the time we did, there was no sign of Eggy. Someone said they saw him run out of the top hat and into the building across the street. We went down there, opened the basement door, and the damn place was full of coffins. Bessie just shook her head. Mm, mm, mm. We searched for hours. Finally, we had to go back to the station and head for the next town, next show. Bessie looked so discouraged. But then she brightened up. She bustled over to the ticket window. Where's the train to Detroit, she asked. Sitting on track two, the agent said, leaving in 15 minutes. Bessie was a genius in ways most people will never understand. Detroit, Eggie's hometown. We boarded through the caboose and walked up the aisle. One bald head shined near the front row. Hmm, Bessie said. She got to Eggie and turned like she was going to hurt him, but stopped. Her face went soft. He lay there with his eyes shut like an angel, snoring. An empty bottle of Johnny Walker lay beside him on the seat. Bessie looked at me and sighed. Hmm. She grabbed the bottle by the neck and said, Told y'all that starboard stuff can hurt you. Now listen, honey, while I say, How can you tell me that you're going away? Don't Thanks for listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast. Brought to you by the Blues Foundation. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is produced by Bill Street Caravan for the Blues Foundation. Written by Preston Lauterbach and voiced by Guy Davis. For more information on the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org.